Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large. And Ann, for the, I guess it's the penultimate episode before the actual Oscars, we're going to take a little break from discussing whether No Man Land is actually the obvious frontrunner and whether Viola Davis actually has the edge over Carrie Mulligan or whatever we've been repeating at infinitum for weeks and focus on a totally different part of award season, which I think make the Oscars interesting all over again. And that's the short films because you and I didn't get a chance to dig into these until recently. And what I've found, and I'll be curious to know what you have to say, because we haven't discussed this in advance, is that they're just so fundamentally different than the other movies we've been discussing that, have, that are in contention, that it, it really does change the terms of the award season discussion to focus on these, on these movies. And, and it could not come at a better moment, I think, for either of us to have something different to talk about. But what was the experience like for you going through these three categories of doc, live action, and animation? Well, I do this every year, and every year I do discover somewhat the same thing, which is that basically the animated f- feature uh, shorts are just delightful always they're just wonderful and I always marvel at the skill and and many of them are are are, you know there's usually a Pixar one and there's usually uh, a a couple from you know a few of them are from overseas and and they're just they're just uh, gorgeous Um, and then and then the others the documentary shorts are usually very heavy they're just usually super depressing and it makes you you know it reminds you of of what a lovely luxury life you lead and and how terrible and and um just humiliating life is uh for people around the world and also that there are people out there who want to you know look after them and then and then there's uh then there's the live action shorts which are often also on the serious side but are fun to watch because they do show uh talent coming out you know yeah i mean i think it's always... true you do see that and look the academy cat oscar movies in general you don't see a lot of comedies so in that sense they are a microcosm of, of award season in general this year and we are living in times in which there's a lot of dark stuff to explore and so they are they are timely all across i mean almost exclusively timely in the doc section and and in the live action section the strongest ones you could argue they are but they're also uh, they involve very specific kind of intimate personal situations, whereas with the animated animated ones, I mean, it you could argue animated fil- films take longer to make, so they're not necessarily reflective of the era in quite the same way, but also the sensibilities of animators tend to be more abstract to, to a large degree, so we see a, a difference there, but... I think they, I, I think you know, they're I, I really, let's do the animated. So I really enjoyed, there. for example, the 2D burrow, which was just delightful and, and graphically d- delicious. And it had a point, you know, it was about creating community as opposed to staying uh, separate. But, it, you know, there's this little rabbit burrowing away from all these other uh, communities. And then he, uh, he hits water. <laughs> <laughs> and they all have to come together. So, but but I don't fun. think honestly, I I'm just to be Oscar predictor Thompson over here. I don't think that, that is one <laughs> is is the one that's going to win. You know, well, it's it, it's, it's, it's just charming. It's it doesn't, charming. It doesn't leave an impression if you look at it as part of a lar- a larger equation here. That's sort of the, yeah. 
the yeah. setback for it. I was but. awestruck by opera. Um, honestly, that's my uh, favorite too. It's so, such, cool. It's so cool. I it's couldn't cool. take my eyes. It is. It is a very complex, algorithmic designed. Um, um, Describe Pyramid. it, Eric. You're the it's, critic. Go, a, you try to describe it, what, this extraordinary thing. Well, I'm sure that other people have dissected it in elaborate ways, but it seems to be a kind of a, a pyramid meant to represent the overall cycle of civilization as a constant, uh, as a sort of never-ending loop. So you could right. actually watch it from from start to finish, and then watch it backwards, and you'd still get. The essence you of couldn't the animation. encompass all of it because I, I was looking at it very intently and I was trying to catch it. It was it starts at the top of the pyramid, if you like, and, it, and there are all sorts of intricate designs and repeated tropes. You're looking going at on. civilization. You're looking at all the every level has different kind of and you're, and, you're of and it's moving down and you're trying to keep up with it and see all the different things. And it's so cool and then it turns to winter and then they're eating a fish and then you're following all your and i'm sure your eye is being directed at certain things well, it's, but, it's, on some ways it's it sort of goes back up the, again yeah it's looking to, to some degree at the cyclical nature yeah. of society collapsing and then rebuilding and it's it's just a really fun thing to look at that does something with the animation that a lot of people aren't used to seeing. I mean, it's like I've never seen anything it's like installation like this. art. It's a little bit like almost like playing a video game or something in terms of what it does to your mind. So, well, in a weird way, as a student of visual effects, uh, back in the day, I once had this extraordinary experience um, where I had been at premiere and we had done a big story on uh, James Cameron's Titanic, and we mm. were up at uh, at uh, uh, getting a, a, a look at the visual effects. Uh, uh, sizzle reel that they were going to give for the bake-off and Rob Legato the great VFX guy was explaining those little men on the Titanic the visual effects people that right. w w there was a guy who wielded a broom there was a guy that was you know a mop yeah they they, right. they were they repeated their actions that's and that's what they did yeah. you know and that's what the VFX uh you know sequences with all those people would be created from and that's sort of what this is there are all these little yeah. sections of this thing or that are repeated motions and they're intricate but on a much more massive complicated well, level another, another thing that that comes out of this is we were talking in more general terms like why are the docs and the live action so bleak and and you know dealing with these troubling issues in the with, with the world whereas animation doesn't necessarily go that route to some degree it's because a lot of animators are thinking more in what you're describing they're inclined to think in terms of what can i do with motion and graphics and just pure visual experience that hasn't been done before especially when you're you have people who are working with shorts where there's a little bit more room for experimentation so that's this is definitely the most experimental one but also in that sense the most exciting form of animation just in contention for an oscar this year it would really be cool. it would be against the grain of what they usually do for example um for all we know burrow's the one that's gonna win because the one that won last year uh was the hair the hair one what was it called um yeah, by matt love. cherry matt, matt yeah Cherry's so that one, was yeah. the super cool very very it, it, but also usually had a topicality to it 
It's the, an emotion. Way, yeah, that, that, that's true. It has to translate into something. So this one doesn't have emotion, but I, you think, could, it'll, I think it'll win anyway because it it's so cool. It leaves an impression. But, but then you have something like Genius Loki, which is this really beautiful painterly Gorgeous. French film. Which but it lacks also, narrative drive. Yeah, it's it's the thing is, it's like when you watch it, you're like, "What did I just watch?" Because it does, it sort of, it's, it's sort of someone's memories of sorts, but it doesn't totally crystallize as a narrative. So that is right. an interesting question of, you know, wh which way would it go there? I wasn't super crazy about Yes People, the Icelandic one, which is just a bunch of people living in an apartment, kind of having overlapping lives. It, it felt a little like a Roy Anderson kind of a thing, but it never totally got to that level um and then if anything and then there's happens, the one that's you. about the the the, sh the shooting and that, so i guess there beautiful. is a timely one the hand drawn yeah. that if i were to do a sort of cynical what what which one is going to win uh based on how they voted in the past that would be the one and well, in, in fact it leads most of the polls if anything happens i love you would be the one because yes yeah. Again, emotion and uh, and it's beautifully done. I cried. I cried right on national cue. issue. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's effective. So I and it's I beautiful suppose, hand drawn yeah. animation, and you don't know where it's going as you go. You realize there's grief sticking parents, but you don't. So know math why. would say it's that one, but we yeah. interestingly agree that there's another one that is more exciting just for on a pure formalism level. Nevertheless, I mean, just talking about these, it's such a different dialogue than than the films that we've been talking about oh we're you know, having the just, excitement of discovery yeah, in some it's, it's, ways it's, 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 exactly you know and it's it, not it's not this well-trodden trench at this point no yeah. we can be honest about it the oscars were delayed by stuff. two months and in yeah. a normal year you're sick of it by this time but i mean it's also like we're talking about newcomer like we haven't even mentioned filmmaker names yet we'd have to like really be as knowledgeable as possible to have them memorized and to know their stories and so forth and it, that's what's kind of interesting about it it's almost closer to a film festival process going through shorts than it is uh you know a traditional kind of dialogue about award season prospects and for some of these filmmakers you know it sets them on a really interesting path so why don't we do live action next i think that one has some fascinating stories i that think they were all pretty good actually um, I think they're I'm, pretty good. I, I, yeah. There are some I like more than others, for sure. Um, What's your favorite? I, I think probably my favorite, just because I'm a sucker for the uh, for the long take, is Wide Eye, which Incredible. is really uh, short. That is about my it. favorite, too. What's because cool of the filmmaking. It? When does <laughs> that happen? It's, it's, it's Ravora. It's also well, the best story it, well, because well, yeah, the guy is sort of a jerk. This guy who got his bike I mean, stolen. Yeah, it's basically a guy who finds his stolen bike and tries to call the cops to do something about it. I've been, by the way, in a situation where you try to tell the cops about something. One time I lost my wallet and, the, and it doesn't quite translate right and then you're worried that like you're gonna get in trouble for something there was something very real about that scenario but then of course what happens to this guy who reports his stolen bike when he tries to get somebody else who he thinks is a thief in trouble for it assumes it. Yeah, assumes is the thief yeah it brings racial bias it, into it immigration it, and it it, it all spirals, spirals. In, a, in yeah. an unexpected direction it's, and it's remarkably well done i like yeah, that it, a lot but as we say i mean there's because a, he there's becomes a, the entitled guy he becomes the guy who can afford to pay for the bike he's right. the he's not the guy being thrown in jail and yeah, deported and, but the other thing about it is the the long take we've seen so many been so many movies over the years that 
use the long take almost as like an excuse just to to like gloss over things. I think it has a real practical effect here because it shows you just how much a, a sort of almost mundane situation can quickly spiral out of control right. and go in all these different directions. I think real time so, is a real ally for yeah. this one. So it's so I mean the question is does that one have the edge because it is it's a bit heady in terms of just being, you know, investing in, in what it's doing. The other one, which is called the present in another way is a similar story in the sense that you get the slow burn of this poor Palestinian guy, sort of also handsome Eastern, and, yeah. and together, you know, with a daughter trying, just going through the routine of going across the border and all the humiliations that he has to suffer all these different ways, how it explodes in, in his face as well. Um, and, and I, 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 I would say that they're both very good, but that the, but wide eye is more interesting and more innovative in the way well, that it starts to tell you some of the same stories. The present has, has some great stuff. I thought it was a little too long for what it's doing, but it's, mm -hmm. it ends very well. It has a bicycle. It's a great quality ending. to it. I great mean, it's, it is neorealism essentially. It's using mm -hmm. the real backdrop of, you know, a Palestinian and his daughter who have to cross this border and deal with Israeli BS every time where you're putting your life on the line and he, and he has to hold his temper. He has yeah. to hold his temper. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and, he, so, and he eventually does not. Yeah. And something happens and it, and it is unsettling, but also quite emotional and bittersweet. So I, I don't know. It's interesting. I wonder which of those would resonate with the voters who are actually committing to watching the all, all of the shorts. Because Remember that that's a small a, a group of people. So let's talk about this. Um, as you know, I've been talking to some uh, Oscar voters, uh, right? At, and the ballots were talking on Thursday. So the ballots opened up today. They have five days to vote and they've all been playing catch up, but many of them are not going to be voting in a lot of the categories and a lot of people I spoke to are not voting for the shorts. They didn't have time. They're not voting for foreign. They didn't have time. They didn't even look at all the docs. Uh, so it's the animations and short branch, which is a few hundred people that are the core of who's going to vote for the, for the shorts. It's not the entire Academy. So it's just, which, so is, you which is annoying keep that in mind as usual that something about this system isn't quite working like well this year changing. especially and yeah. you'd think they'd had two extra months to to watch everything but it isn't true they've yeah. only had the period of time since the nominations well, for the shorts, everyone has really. their lives i mean people in all these different branches they're not like us where it's like our job is to watch everything i've been so saying this all along we're ahead of them in terms yeah, of what we've just, seen it's tied into what you do when you go to festivals and you see films at Press absolutely preview, you know and that all that kind of stuff but it does raise these interesting questions for next year of you know exactly how do you message to people or make it tangible for people to watch all this stuff because if they just get exhausted and throw up their hands and they're not going to get booted as a member as a result then nobody wins i mean it's just we just wind up with a very small this is a voters, is, this so. is an anomalous year where a lot of people just checked out you know, they just didn't want to watch on their computer. They didn't get their computer hooked up to the TV, you know, all sorts of reasons why they are not paying attention the way they ordinarily would, or they just don't care. It's, it's, it's a, I hope, I hope it, it, it gets, it goes back to something more like normal uh, next year. 
well, baby steps, and let's let's get through the global pandemic, and then we can start to mm. assess the future of Oscar season. But did but, you the so of of the other live action shorts? Uh, did any, I thought, uh, those? Let's talk about the Letter Room, which has an actual star in it, Oscar Isaac. It was directed he's very by his wife. good. He's he's. I liked the Letter Room actually. I, I liked it to a. It did come the out the way I okay. thought it would. It's yeah. a prison. It's a prison guy uh, guard who who gets a who fights to he get a desk job, and he ends yeah. up reading all the letters that come into the prison, and he gets it's caught up in one particular interchange or lack thereof between uh, a death row prisoner and his his ex girlfriend. Yeah, I, I mean, Oscar Isaac is is one of our great actors, and I think he sells that character pretty well. It, it didn't grab me past the kind of initial setup and I, and I didn't find the resolution all that. Yeah, it was satisfying. a good resolution. Overall, I, I just, I, there was something Bit about- of a the, twist. It sort of dissipated for me with time, but I, but I understand that it, in some ways you could argue that's the most quote unquote commercial one in that category. It's, it's, a, accessible. it's very accessible. Accessible. But I, I, I would enjoyed, say Two Distant Strangers is also accessible. I enjoyed Two Distant Strangers. It's it's a little um, clunky and short filmy, like in an amateurish way in parts, I thought. There were certain certain beats that felt a little off. It's a great concept, though. But yeah, the concept of basically it's, we know that Groundhog Day is basically a genre now, but the idea of a black man who gets killed by the same cop again and again and again is like really profound and powerful, but also... A, a really great vessel for dark comedy in the way that it's handled. It's really so. well done. And he, he basically uh, figures out all sorts of ways to try to get out of it. And he keeps going back <laughs> anyway. And there's even a part where he makes friends with the white cop and it still backfires. It, yeah. It's very well done. I mean, that's one where I definitely, and I, and I really like the way it starts. Like it doesn't just kind of jump right into it. It it's willing to kind of allow the, logic to gradually settle in so you're sort of in this world and seeing how this happens before the the absurdity of it comes in so i thought i was watching and i was like these are filmmakers trayvon free and, and uh, martin desmond Rowe. i wrote those names down because i could see something with those guys being both you know, uh, Rowe is more of the professional director who's done directing before and trayvon's more of the writer who's done a lot of writing and hasn't directed that much a before, good pairing. But they came together very well so why don't we talk and, about um, those uh those docs though because like you say that's where the real heaviness kicks in they're all quite long i mean it's they're all in the 30 just for from a short perspective they're they're very substantial material look you you just have to gird your way. loins because you're going to watch starving children in hunger ward and oh you're gonna you're gonna go with the kid you know the little girl that got killed uh, i mean I, I, song for latasha by the korean woman in but i mean at the end store. of the day it's, i i do think we should take a step back from that kind of like reading of, of this overall because each one of the none of these shorts words was made to be seen in the context of a category of films that all deal with these really harsh subjects. So, you know, yes, they was, were Eric, they, that's the point. No, they, they were made to be, to be, to be, they were. Well, maybe what you're saying is they were made to be uh, Oscar shorts, uh, Oscar shorts, but, but I don't they think they are gonna, a genre. They are what they no, are. But let's take a step back. I don't think the impulse to make, let's say, do no. not stop was, that, 
which is about Hong Kong protesters with that one is totally agitprop. That one is totally of the moment and extremely has a real function in our society. Yes, we need to be talking about what's going on over there. And of course, we have to be talking about world hunger, and we have to be talking about about violence. in, in, in the inner city, of course, we have to be talking about all of those things, but it, it becomes Oscar porn on some level. But then Song for Latasha, that's one where obviously it's, it's timely in a very immediate way because it's about a young woman who, is, who is, was unjustly murdered. And yet the way in which it deals with that cinematically is fascinating. It doesn't use old footage doesn't use archival or talking heads it's there's like some archival in, there's some archival like, from the, it's like from old, the 80s yeah yeah exactly it's almost like time in that sense i mean it's like using it is like time it's and it's and it's using some of, yeah. uh recreations too yeah like the aesthetics of it are but really there's one section where the little where the friend as an adult is talking about what happened and how she lost her friend that's tough and who her friend was that is brilliant it's extraordinary. And it, it, that was my favorite part of it. And I almost um, preferred the direct, um, unsullied, unedited uh, uh, part of the movie over some of the more um, attempted to be uh, filmic sections, if that makes sense. Well, I dug the filmic stuff. I mean, it was certainly trying things. But again, I mean, that's sort of when we we throw around terms like Oscar porn, I wonder if it's like was was this an obvious one in that sense? Because it's taking such a unusual approach to its material, and it's 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 more challenging. It's asking the audience to invest in that approach, and I thought that was fascinating because, much like this Groundhog Day short in a weird sort of way, it's it's giving you something more. It's not just taking for granted that this subject matter is important and terrible and we all need to take it seriously. It's it's building something creative out of that necessity. And I, that's what I really appreciated about that's it. Fair. And that's I, fair. I, I, and, I think that I was would probably very be moved. a front runner, right? I, I, mean, I, I think Latasha is very strong. I, I was moved I was moved by it as well because what it really is is building is an argument for uh, what the life that was lost could have been, which is the whole point right, of, right. of these, these lost people who could have had lives and, and were unnecessarily uh, removed from the equation. I should mention, I, I think earlier I said, do not stop. The title is do not split, uh, which makes more sense in, in the context of the, of the issue that we're talking about here. With Hong, Hong Kong versus Hong Kong China. China, yeah. Um, which is a very messy situation, but it's one that has also, as a result of the subject of this film, caused uh, backlash from China, which is not airing the Oscars. Obviously, there's also some some Nomadland, Chloe Zhao stuff going on there. But that, of all things, to create that kind of problem, a short film, it's very interesting that it would have that kind of resonance. And obviously, that means that they're on to something. So that it seems like oh, that's that, a potential the filmmaking. Upset. That the filming is extraordinary in that sense. Um, yeah, you could compare it. Um, there have been other political uh, movies in in the past that have gone, you know, ha- have won because of what was going on um, in in the world at the time. Uh, the one that comes to mind is the Asghar Farhadi uh, movie that won uh, a separation 
right in the first and, one it's, it's, yeah yeah but 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 the um but i want to check i want to check that too because i think there was a second as Hardy that was the, the one salesman that was, also i mean he the didn't sale, show up for it, that. it's it's the sale it's the one where he wasn't allowed to come and so he ended up right. winning yeah well result. salesman what happened with the salesman was i think he could have gotten permission but because of the trump muslim ban was sort of a protest move not to go if i recall correctly and so i think uh that 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 was a whatever a however that where... played out let's just say with oscar fahadi and um the salesman there was a, a big ruckus about whether or not he was going to be able to participate with the oscars and and that ended up uh playing out in his favor he got a lot of um support and, great and he won. So sometimes, so sometimes it, it becomes part of the story. Um, so you, you're right. Do not split could could benefit from from high you know strong feelings about what's going on with Hong Kong and China. Just watching the movie is extremely upsetting because you do see how 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 um, fierce the chaos and, on the streets. and and how uh, angry and upset and fraught the whole situation. Well, had, you have people become. saying right now I can cuss China. But if I don't protest, I might not I be, won't able be able to do able that. To. And that's yeah. that's the kind of thing that I think is not that message isn't traveling well enough in the West. And and that's really why I think it's a it's really effective at what it's getting across. Now it's is it easy to sit through? No. I mean that's that's sort of the the essential gamble of a lot of this stuff. It's why people are saying octopus teacher and not collective or whatever. I mean, it's a challenge for people to watch difficult stuff, but it's also your responsibility on some level. So I hope that people do give these kinds of movies the time of day, even if it's not so easy to uh, to do that, especially in these times. But it's also an interesting year for the disabled community because mm -hmm. uh, one of the films that's going up against my octopus teacher is Crip Camp, and of course that's the story uh, of of a disabled community having a wonderful summer camp experience in in the camp in the sixties yeah. and seventies, and then going on to become you know powerful activists in in the disabled movement and putting through you know groundbreaking uh, legislation legislation for for their rights and i would say that um the the other the other movie and, and of course uh, jim lebrecht is is disabled himself so he he could win he could become uh you be know a co-director who wins director. yeah and then the other movie that it, on the short side uh which which was lovely actually um what's I should have my list in front of me. What's the name of the one with with where the blind deaf guy is is talking to uh, feel my touch? Is it is yes. it is that yes. the name of it? Yes. Feel my touch That's is the one where one. it's a lovely movie. A, a little too on the nose, but uh, again, another opportunity for um, yeah the disabled community to have it is have sentimental representation and I, and at the Oscars. I, well, I tend to throw that word in as a pejorative, but I do I did think it was well-directed for what it was doing, you know, that just in terms of what it does with um, two people learning to communicate who can't communicate in a traditional kind of way, I thought was pretty effective over the course of the story that it's telling. And I was moved. I was moved by, by the yeah. ending. Yeah. And All the, right. The so another blind uh, deaf guy who figures out a way to communicate with somebody else was very interesting. Yeah. But the other, the homeless guy who communicates with the, yes. you know, he helps out the the blind and deaf guy and the, and the blind and deaf guy in, in the end helps him. And, mm -hmm. and that's, that was yep. lovely. Yep. But, but the, and I was moved by it. You know, that's the thing. They get you. They do get you. 
but the other one, the other one I was moved by, although again, um, Colette, which is one of the doc um, entries, French uh, short film uh, about um, a Holocaust survivor who goes back uh, to a cemetery, to, no, to 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 a, a, a concentration camp, to to see where her her brother was killed. Um, it, it, it was heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. But at the same time, you know that the filmmaker is taking this woman there to get uh, an emotional reaction out of her, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, that there is something, there is something there for sure. I mean, is it- She was a wonderful woman. She was really yeah. admirable and she did break down and, and deal with it. Um, and she was willing to do that and she put herself through it. Um, but but it it's it, it's uh, it's just that we've it feels like uh, we should be reminded over and over and over of what horrors occurred. But it, it again it feels like what they do at the Oscars. Yeah, I mean it's it became a cliche a long time ago to have that requisite Holocaust movie slot. Um, but I, it's been a while since that requisite Holocaust. Holocaust I know. Movie slot so delivered. who are we to complain? So, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. We kind of got past that, so those stories still kind of matter, and and a lot of those people are dying off, so it's not a bad thing for it to be in the mix in that respect. But in the short time we have left, maybe we should touch on uh, the new, the sort of uh, tragic news of LA's uh, exhibition update, which is losing the Pacific Cinemas and the ArcLight. Now, I don't have a profound relationship to these theaters because I just went to them when I was in town, but why don't you tell us a little bit about what significance they've had to you? Because obviously there's that side of it. And then there's the business. Well, the side Cinerama Dome is, is on this very specific spot at, uh, you know, on, on uh, sunset and vine basically. And it's the only geodesic theater dome left in the country that's working or it was, and it has landmark status. So it's not like they can just, demolish it overnight. They can if if all other avenues are exhausted, but if someone comes in, there's going to be a year where you could figure out what to do with it and say, and they did that with the arc light. There was going to be some horrible um, mall thing or something right. around that around the before, Cinerama yeah. Dome and they created what is the arc light now. Now the Pacific Theater chain, 18 theaters around the country, uh, I think 10 of them in, in LA and uh, a couple of people on our staff have been reporting this and um, the, the company that owns the theaters uh, isn't in willing to be in business with the numbers are too prohibitive. Now you can think that maybe there's some negotiations going on behind the scenes that maybe this is the situation that a lot of the exhibitors are dealing with writ large all over the country in terms of rents and overdue uh, payments and all sorts of real estate issues um, in these analog situations. Uh, but we have a, a beloved theater <laughs> that everyone goes to high end. One of the first theaters um, that had, uh, you know, reserved seats and uh, ushers speaking to you before the movie and a lot of people associated with opening weekend Q&As and I hung out with Judy Dench in the green room and Helen Mirren and all, all sorts of people I interviewed there. It's a, it's a very, very sad and disturbing um, 
<laughs> loss <laughs> for for Los Angeles, uh, and and cinephiles are just horrified, and it it it's a symbol of of the most one of the most successful theaters in the city uh, so, going down. So uh, Edgar Wright went out among the many sort of higher profile people who immediately went to social media about this and said, my first thought is what can we do? And I think it's an, it's an interesting question right now because there's so much that's uncertain about how the rest of the year is going to go in terms of movie going. But, you know, it does seem like the kind of thing where a Netflix type of entity could. They already picked they up the one. Paris in New York and the they've Egyptian got, yeah. in LA. Well, that's right. So they have one they're LA, not, one in New York. They're not in the theater business. They're not interested. In, I mean, the Egyptian is like, um, you know, they're restoring an historic landmark and they have a place to do all their award stuff. And, and, you know, it all, it all, you know, they can open their movies there and play them for a week or two. It, it's, it's not like they have to make a profit on it. Uh, they're not interested in being in the theater business. And I think what they've I done wish... with the Paris is, is fascinating. I mean, they had Ramin Barani doing a Q and A there last year, but they also showed Goodfellas, which inspired White Tiger. So it's it's kind of a fascinating sort of synergy going on there where they're showing kind of rep, repertory programming to support Netflix titles in a really interesting kind of way. So. Look, it, they can. They, this is part of their marketing budget, Eric. It's marketing, I mean, it's, yeah. it's really not like it's their other, they make enough money on their ways. own business. So, but the, so spend it. I'd like you want to see a it, real. So. Just I'd like to see a studio put their money where their mouth is and and help. You know, pick a. This is a small theater chain. That's part of the problem. I mean, in, in a weird way, the bigger theater chains have more access to capital and debt uh, relief and all that sort of thing this is a big this is a big um loss for la and and the growth when you say is part studio, of it i mean it's like what are we talking about like universal is not going to just jump into the fray and buy a movie theater right it's a it's well if you think about it i mean disney owns el capitan i mean that's their that's their flagship okay theater so that's a direction on, on hollywood boulevard but i don't they they're not going to get into this because they're putting their money into into streaming yes. so if you have universal or you have warner brothers they're putting their money into streaming they're not interested in the, they're Paramount. already withdrawing yeah. from so the theater business on some level it's sony that would have to do it paramount even has has paramount plus so all right so through um, a process it, of eliminating Let's, let's make candidate. it Sony. All right, uh, we'll tell you know, Sony. Let's make sure uh, they but hear that. Tommy Rothman, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pick up the phone. Real estate opportunity. Well, we'll see what happens. Well, my on hope that is front. that the, the because the theaters and the studios are the ones that should be aligned and should be in partnership and should be supporting each other, and they're not, and it makes me upset. So. On that note, as we, as we wrap, I thought it might be a good opportunity to touch on a studio movie that is apparently going to have a platform in a couple of weeks at a major film festival because it's a nice excuse to talk about something that looks ahead and is promising which is so in Tribeca the heights is happening and in the heights is opening tribeca yeah and so we're we hoping knew... that we're going to hear about french dispatch opening yeah. can well we'll see that would that would be nice i mean we're all holding our breath about can in so many ways but yeah in the heights i mean tribeca has had big studio movies before i mean people forget they closed with avengers one year which was really fun i remember seeing that i think it was at the zig field but They've never had a, uh, as far as I That's can remember, That's an example such a, of a big theater that never yeah. got open. It never by quite the way. got 
Yeah, yeah it never it got never closed survived. and it never no one saved it. No. And that's but, the thing. These the, this business is in danger. It may yes, not yes, the big theaters may not survive. Too. It has often been a fragile business. But but uh, with respect to In the Heights, there's a movie that I mean, yes, because it's Warner Brothers, it's going to have a limited kind of theatrical life relative to how people watch it on HBO Max. But it seems to be a big crowd pleaser with really high expectations. Buzz has been great for basically over a year. And uh, Tribeca has potential to be a real in-person kind of festival, at least in theory. So there's there's hope on the horizon with news like this. And it's it's, you know, fingers crossed. But I think we might be seeing a very different kind of summer than we saw last year. So we'll see where we are after the Oscars. And hopefully, hopefully when we get there, we'll have all kinds of different movies to talk about that are on the calendar. But in the meantime, Looking forward next week, I can't wait to see you in the Heights. I'm excited. The next week we got to go back and talk about the Oscars just a little bit longer because uh, it's our last chance to uh, put those predictions out there. Goodbye, Eric. I'll talk right. to you next week. Talk to you later. Okay.